Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, let's get, let's get over into the book of Genesis chapter 2 tonight. Genesis chapter 2. Glory, glory. And uh, believe with me that this will come out the way the Lord wants it to come out. And that the utterance will be from Him and not me. Glory to God. You know, I'm, uh, I'm convinced. You know, the things of the Word, the Word's vast. It covers every area of our life. And, uh, you know, as we've been in a miracle Holy Ghost flow, well, this is still a miracle Holy Ghost flow. And I, I'm convinced, everyone, I'm convinced that our church will only be as strong as our families are strong. You believe that? Our church can only be fortified and strengthened and become more stable when our families are strong. Amen? Now, we'll always have a measure of brokenness in our congregation because people are coming that are broken and their lives are being healed. But we're going to have to maintain a large percentage if we're going to go in this era where God wants us to go where we have many, many families that are beyond all of the, the natural hindrances of dealing with the distractions of dysfunctional marriages, kids, right, where that's taken up all the oxygen in the spiritual room in the, in the family. You know, the wife is spending all her time in her prayer closet praying for her to keep her marriage together, to keep her kids off the street. And I, if that's where you're at, that's what you ought to be doing. But that doesn't mean in doing that that you're going to be able to advance in the era because you're not praying about other things. You know, I tell you what, when you're facing desperate circumstances and high-pressure situations, you don't really think beyond yourself very much. That's, that's one of the problems with, it makes you just so, I can't see beyond my own little world. When there's a great big world and, and we need to be bringing our supply, there's, there's bigger things. Not to say that once your family's strong that you just forget it, but no, amen. But because your family's strong, God can put things on you, yeah. put prayer assignments on you and, and put things on your family that are honorable things, assignments in the local church and in missions to advance his plan. Yeah. And you've got room for that. You've got faith for that. You've got energy and strength for that because you're not spending all your time trying to keep your house together. Amen. That's just one reason. But I, uh, you know, because of what I know God wants to do in our church, we've got to have strong families. Amen. We've got to have strong families. And so as the Lord is dealing with us about this subject, I pray and I trust that, that you are making the changes. Making, we're making the changes. We're not thinking about, oh, I wish, you know, I wish my coworker could have heard that. God knew that coworker wasn't going to be here. He's preaching to the people that are here. <laughs> Amen. And uh, not to say that you can't tell them about it and, and get them to watch it, whatever, but God's, God's ministering to us, Amen. those that are here. And so tonight I want to minister to us about, I'm going to spend a couple of services uh, this Wednesday and then more than likely, Lord willing, on Sunday, talking about roles in marriage, the roles that we have in marriage, and uh, speaking to that dynamic so that uh, we, can, we can gain skill. You know, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5 that marriage is a great mystery. Yeah, people are like, oh yeah, I know. I, don't, I know, I've been married 50 years. I still ain't got that guy figured out. I still ain't. Well, that's true, but that's really not what he's talking about. 
He said, when, he, when I really believe that when he says that marriage is a great mystery, he's talking about the type and the shadow of Christ and the church and the spiritual ramifications, the spiritual reflections that a godly Christian marriage ought to be reflecting out to the world. Marriage is a great mystery. But we can take from those words that uh, me standing here, you sitting there, we should not say or think, I know all I need to know. I know all there is to know about marriage because it is a great mystery. Amen. And so I'm believing for revelation myself and skill to come and for, for myself wisdom to come as we talk about this. So I'm going to be kind of speaking generally to the roles of husbands and wives tonight. And then I'm going to talk, Lord willing, on Sunday to the wives as a husband to give the ladies, hopefully, a clue. Amen. <laughs> Amen. About how you're typically how a man thinks and what a man needs and, and how to, you know, pray for me. It's going to be fun. And then the next Sunday, my wife's going to get up. Oh, that's going to be the youth service. So you get extra time. So whenever that next Sunday comes, my wife's going to get up and talk to all of you guys so that you can get a clue about a lady. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Invite all your friends. Amen. We'll install seatbelts in the seat so you don't have to get whipped out of there anywhere. So it's going to be good. Amen. All right. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18. Genesis 2 18. And the Lord God said, uh, who said? The Lord God said. The Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. So praise God. God said it's not good for man to be alone. And so he, then he said, because of its, you know, because typically for most of us, it's not good that a man be alone. I'm going to make a what? Help meet. A lot of times people convert that and they say, help mate. Help mate. And I want to spend a little time in the beginning of the message tonight giving us some insight into that Hebrew word. This is a rich, rich Hebrew word. And ladies, you, you get excited because, you know, just in the English and the way uh, machoism is and uh, culture is in America in many places, uh, you know, ladies draw back from that word like it's a demeaning word. Like wives and women, what are they? They are men's helpers. No, that, that's demean. That demeans. That lowers the place. Amen. So I want you to get some understanding about the richness of this word. Now, it is help me, two words in the English, and it is also two words in the Hebrew. I won't try to pronounce those two Hebrew words. I'm not here to impress you anyway. Uh, praise God. But it's the Hebrew word uh, E-Z-E-R is help. And then you have kenegdo, uh, however you pronounce that, K-E-N-E-G-D-O, those two words. Amen. And so uh, other translations give us some insight. One translation says, uh, praise God, that I will make... For him a counterpart. I will make a counterpart for him. That, that speaks of equality. A counterpart. Amen. He didn't say a lesser part. He said a counterpart. 
One translation says, someone fit for. Another one says, a helper who is just right for him. Another one means comparable to. So God said, I'm going to make someone comparable to. Now remember the verses that had come before. God caused all the animal kingdom to come before Adam. So the giraffes lined up, right? And the deer lined up and the dogs lined up and the cows lined up. Come on, they all lined up. And notice they all had, they all came male and female. They all came with a companion, a, a pair that was perfectly suited the one for the other. And when Adam got to the end, it says there was no partner found suitable for Adam. Amen. Glory to God. And uh, so the word literally means an answering unto. So God said, I'm going to make for him an answering unto. In other words, by him being alone, it, that aloneness creates a need. And out of Adam's heart is this cry, and Eve is going to be the answer to his cry. What is my wife? She is the answer to my heart cry for the need that I have for a partner, a companion, a lover, a covenant mate, and a helper, and a friend. Amen? Glory to God. You know, the Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Amen? So when you begin to learn husbands about wives, the wife is the perfect counterpart physically, socially, emotionally, spiritually to her husband and vice versa. Amen? Amen. Thus, your spouse is God's divine answer to your need. I like Matthew Poole's commentary. Let me read it to you about this word. Matthew Poole in his commentary says that the word means altogether like unto him. Altogether, not less than, altogether like unto him in shape and constitution, disposition and affection. I really like this. I bolded it. It means a second self. Amen. A second self. Woo, glory. This is where, you know, these little phrases like my better half. Right? This is where some of these sentiments come from. Because you get in a marriage very long, you begin to appreciate, if you're smart, recognize and appreciate the, uh, uh, the perfect balance that they bring to your everyday life dynamic. Because they're like you, but they're different from you. They're like you, they're suited to you, but they're opposite from you. And they bring you a perspective and a supply that is vitally important. Amen and that you couldn't bring or get by yourself. So the word help me means a second self. One, Matthew Poole says this word means one to be at hand and near to him, to stand continually before him, to always be ready to secure him, serve him, comfort him, one whose eye, respect, and care as well as desire should be to him always, one whose business it shall be to please and help him. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, the, that's what the two words together mean according to those, those folks. The word help, easer, E-Z-E-R by itself, it means to rescue. What'd God say? I'm going to make a rescue for him. 
The word means a rescue. It means to save. It means to be strong for. I can't tell you how many times. Amen. She has been strong for me. In times of personal weakness. Or in times of personal or ministerial pressure. I'm not afraid to admit that. I have drawn on, leaned on, received from the strength she brought to moments in my life, moments in time. Amen. Thank God in those moments I was not alone. Come on. You know, I, I was going to save this for later for a different point. I'll go ahead and bring it up here. Research shows, another nugget of research shows that, and it's interesting, I'm 48. I'm 48, right? I think I'm 48. So anyway, uh, let's say I'm 48. The research said 48. The study was done on a 48-year-old married male. A 48-year-old married male has a 90% chance of seeing age 65. A 48-year-old single man has a 60% chance of making it to 65. That's what research shows. You want to know why that is? Because you got someone there saying, how about eating a carrot instead of an Oreo, fat dude? I mean, you know. Or, you know, like my wife, slow down, you're driving too fast. I mean, how many times has my wife maybe saved my bacon? Right? Anyway. Now your wives come home and say, you know, we need to eat better. Here's a bunch of vitamins. Take these, you know. And, and the single guy doesn't have that kind of rescue. <laughs> you may think it's small, but something's contributing to that statistic being true. Amen. So a rescue to, be, to, uh, to save, to be strong for, it means a strong presence. God intended. Now see, again, this is before the fall. So what we're reading about is God's highest, his ideal for the marriage dynamic. Hallelujah. Is that the spouse, amen, be a strong presence in and for the husband. Amen. Let me focus on this word meet. The Hebrew word uh, K-E-N-E-G-D-O, however you pronounce that. And I like this. It means to be in front of him. Opposite as unto him, corresponding unto him. Now to understand that, uh, you know, I was trying to think of some visual illustrations and it's almost like a mirroring unto. She stands opposite me. The word literally means face to face. You know what he's trying to convey? I don't look under my foot to find where my wife's supposed to be. Hello. Amen. Amen. And another illustration I found studying today is that uh, the marriage dynamic that God formed and fashioned her to be like the second wing of a bird. I'm a wing, but by myself, right, by myself. Now listen. Let me say something to you single. This is, when you enter into the marriage dynamic, this is the way God says it is. You're not less than because you're single. You're not a one-winged bird. You have Jesus Christ living on the inside of you. Think right. 
But I'm telling you, we're talking about the marriage mystery, the marriage dynamic, what God intended marriage to look like, for marriage to be. Amen? And she is that other opposite from, not identical unto me, but she is the second wing. Takes two wings to fly. <laughs> Amen? Glory to God. I really like that. Uh, the godly wife stands in a powerful, strong position alongside her husband. This is why wives in marriage must have a regard and an honor and a, I'm going to say a, a reverence, a healthy fear of her position and role in the marriage. Look at how influential Eve was in Adam's life. He openly, knowingly entered into a fallen state in no large, large part because of her influence. He could not imagine life without her. So he, fought, he betrayed God and, and sold us all to, out to the devil. That's how strong a presence a woman can be in a man's life. And so, you know, she always has, but, you know, we, we must, they must, wives must hold a reverence and a regard. You're no small force. You are a mighty force, a strong presence, and you can influence your husband for God or for the devil. You know, we've heard all the funny phrases, right? You know, I'm the head, but she's the neck that turns the head. You know what I mean? A wife is a strong presence in the life of her husband. And God intended it to be that way. That's the way he designed it to be, but a force for good, not for evil. Amen? And so uh, God intends the wife to stand in a powerful, strong position alongside her husband. She is to be a mighty, rescuing, defending, saving counterpart as the two of them serve God together. Amen? So do you see that this word in no way means uh, I am a, uh, a slave in my master's house. I'm a cook, I'm a maid, I'm a towel folder, I'm a bill payer. I just, my sole existence is to help him with what's important to him. Now, where did God take when he made Eve's body? Do you remember, Ryan? What part of the body did God reach in out of Adam and take? The rib. Very good, sweetie. Notice, he took out of the rib, out of his side, not skin off the bottom of his foot. Good point. Yes, sir. What is the image there? She is to stand. My wife stands at my side. She is my partner. Make, I've made this statement before in teaching on marriage. I want to make it again. Marriage is not about rank. Marriage is about role. I have a role. Ordained of God. Outlined and spoken about in the word. That she can't fulfill. She's not anointed to fulfill. My role doesn't make me better than her. It doesn't make me superior to her. I just have my role. Marriage is not about rank, it's about role. And anyone dominating, dominating that other mate, male or female, you've left the word. You've left the word because you've left love. How many of you know that our God, he is large 
And he is in charge. But he does not domineer and bully and intimidate and force those he loves to do what he wants. And when we act like that, we're acting a whole lot more like the devil than God. Let's say that with me. I want you to get that. Marriage is not about rank. It's about role. What the word gives us is definition of our role. She has a role as a godly wife that I am not anointed to fulfill. Amen. But and when we are joined together, one flesh together, glory to God, then I'm a mighty force in her life. She's a mighty force in my life. And together we go places and we do things in life and for God. Amen. And it's a joy. I, I, I don't think I have. I, I have never intended. Uh, Amber and I, we make all our decisions together. I never come in and inform my wife. I don't come in and inform my wife of stuff. Of what I spent, what I bought, what I did, where the family's going, what the... No, no. Praise God. Because as I'm about to describe in a minute, I know God created her to be my helpmate, and I'm going to tap into that help and not act like I don't need it. If God made my wife to stand at my side, perfectly suited, comparable to, fit and adapted to help me, to save me, to be a rescue to me, why would I make big decisions and not care about her opinion? That's just stupid. When you begin to know what the Bible says. Amen. My wife has a right to say anything she wants to say in our marriage. Doesn't mean there's no consequences for what she says. Or I say, but she's free. She's free to say anything. If she wants to speak to something, she could speak to it. If I'm petting her fur backwards, I want to know about it. If I've heard her do any, I want to know about that so I can change it. Going back to that word help, I don't want to leave you. This very word, E-Z-E-R, do you know over 16 times in the Old Testament, God uses that Hebrew word to describe himself. God is our easer. He is an easer unto us. Is that a demeaning? Would you put that word easer on God and that God is demeaning himself by calling himself the help? No, 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 he's not. Think about uh, in Psalm 33:20. it says, My easer, my help comes through the Lord, which made heaven and earth. No, that's, that's not right. Uh, that's the next verse I was going to quote you. It says, our, uh, for example, let me see. I mistyped this. <laughs> I'm going to go to it. Psalm 33. I don't want to misquote it. Glory to God. Psalm 33. This is the same word God chose to use to describe what Adam's wife was going to be. Psalm 33, verse 20. You guys have it up there? You probably get there faster than me. Maybe not. Okay. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and shield. That same part of God he assigned to the wife what is that my wife is a God ordained help unto my soul 
She's a shield unto me. Not the way God is, but it's the same word. It's the same word. Then Psalm 121, verse 2, my help comes from the Lord. My help, my help, my easer comes from the Lord. The Lord is our help. So do you see, this is an uplifting, exalting description, this word help meet. It's not talking about the staff. Your wife is not staff. Your wife is not a maidservant. Okay, glory to God. I know we're a little lighter on people than we normally be, but y'all are being kind of quiet. Amen. So again, a mighty force, a saving strength, an anointed comforter, a divine partner, a timely rescue. That's what God intends Eve to be to Adam, Amber to be to me, Jennifer to be to Ken. Let me say this to you. The word helper does not get this out of our brain. That's what I'm trying to, I'm staying on this to help us. The word helper doesn't mean subservient. God is my helper. But does that mean he's my He's subservient to me. I can treat him like a maid. No, oh my God, no. But he is my help. Is he your help? We got to get out, when we think about our wives and the word help me, uh, this this idea that help means inferior. Help doesn't mean inferior. Amen? Oh, glory to God, I think you get it. So the picture of God's ideal in marriage is just that. He created her to be a perfect match, a suitable match for the husband. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So let's get into, I just want to outline a little bit about roles, the roles of husbands and wives. When you look at the Godhead, the person of the Godhead, let's stay with the wives, the person of the Godhead that most illustrates or outflows or reflects the role that God intends wives to have with their husbands is the person of the Holy Ghost. Now that that ought to make sense. What what do we call the Holy Ghost? Come on. Is that a demeaning demeaning term? That's not a demeaning term. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is our helper. Amen? Amen? Amen. Now just because I took time putting my notes, I'll give you this. You know the top four needs of husbands. Now, we'll do a deep dive on this later. Wives, the top four needs of husbands are ready. Number one, respect. If you don't, number one is respect. Number two is sex. Number three is friendship with his wife. And number four is domestic support, help at home. Those are the top four needs of husbands. Know it. Know it. Amen? Wives want unconditional love. Isn't that right? Is that right? Unconditional love. Uh, Hold on, it's my sermon. You got your turn coming. Yeah, but you're right. I'm not, I don't need to preach the whole thing. See, she's helping me. <laughs> and she got me off. Where was I? Oh, you know what men want? 
Unconditional respect. And that's not been preached. No, no. Your husband don't care anything about unconditional love. <laughs> he wants to know you respect him. You honor him. You praise him. You cheerlead him. You talk up his strengths and you hide his weaknesses. Amen. Amen. Number two is sex. Number three is friendship, camaraderie. He wants, I'm telling you, it is huge, ladies. You need to enter his world on a fun level. What does he enjoy? You want to light your husband's fire? Go hunting with him. Go sit in a deer stand with him. Woo, oh my, my, come on. Right? What does he enjoy to do? Go into his world. Enter his world. Show interest in his world. Do you hear that, Sarah? You're like, okay, I don't know. Yeah. I just saw your look, so I just took advantage of it. I don't know what you have going on back there. <laughs> Amen. So you need to be interested in things like aliens and Bigfoot. Come on. Yeah, there you go, waving it. Go find him. Go find him. And then help at home. Amen? Now, like I said, if you want it, ladies, you want to do a deep dive. You want a divine picture of the role of the wife. Look at the Holy Spirit. Look at the Holy Spirit. He is our divine helper. He is our divine helper. You know, the Holy Spirit came in and his entire mission is to help me be more like Jesus. Is that not right? The Holy Spirit came into my life to recreate me, put righteousness in me because he's there. And now he lives in there. And what's his aim? Help me become more like Jesus. Wives, do what you can. Help your husband. To be more like Jesus. Now, as the Holy Spirit helps me become more like Jesus, the Holy Spirit does not browbeat me. Come on, amen. You can say amen on that, right? <laughs> the Holy Spirit does not nag me. But He speaks. He speaks. He's there. And when I turn to him, he's ready to help me. The Holy Spirit doesn't always speak up when he feels like something needs to be spoken up to. But quietly, he waits for the invitation, for the open door. And when that's given, he speaks. Amen? What do we know about the Holy Spirit? We know that he is the comforter. Wives, one of your role, you are anointed to comfort like nobody else. You know, my mom's been in heaven since uh, uh, 05. And you know, life's just different when mom's not on the planet. Now my mom, most of the, only with only six months of my life did I know her as a Christian. And I was here and, and there, so just, you know, we had one visit during that time frame. But even as a sinner, my mom... What God put in a lady, I, I would run to her. I could talk to her. She would comfort me. And I don't know how many times 
when I wanted to quit, when I was under pressure, when I'd made a mistake, when I failed, when I cost the family money. She didn't go, I told you that was going to be a bad investment. No. No. I'll never forget coming home that day that we had, the whole deal kind of went sour finally. And uh, it was about $25,000. We were a young couple. That was a huge amount of money for us. And most of that money was borrowed dollars against our home. And the day I had to come home, tell her it's all over, it's all gone. And she was in the office at home, and I just kind of fell. Uh, she spun around in the office chair, and I got down on my knees, just put my head in her lap. And all she did, she didn't browbeat me. She didn't, she just, she didn't say, I told you so. She wasn't fearful. She comforted me. She comforted me. Amen. Now, I, I do what I can to comfort her. I don't even know when she needs comfort. You know, I mean, she just is so on it all the time. But you know what I mean? I'm just saying that wives are like the Holy Spirit in their ability to comfort. What else do we know about the Holy Ghost? We know the Holy Ghost is a standby. Come on, isn't he? He's a strong standby. Stand by your man, whatever. I mean, my wife has stood with me through thick and thin. The mountaintop experiences, the low valleys, she's been right there standing by me. When the will of God's made known for us and it's something transitioning or something hard, no resistance, right there, let's do it. She's standing by. Amen. Amen. Wives, that, that you have an anointing on you to be that standby, that pillar. Whenever something comes up, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. And this ought to make a wife that taps into this flow of her role when her husband's uh, under going through something, he won't run to the bar. He won't run into the arms of another woman. He knows where his comfort is. He knows where to run to. He knows where his standby is. Are you with me? What else is, a, uh, what else is the Holy Spirit? Is he not our intercessor? See, a godly wife is anointed like nobody else on the earth to pray for her husband. Like nobody else on the planet. She is anointed to pray and to make intercession for her husband. Wives, do you pray for your husband or do you just complain? Uh, What did you say? Tight, but it's right. Is that right? That's kind of tight, but it's right. It's easy to complain. But you're anointed to intercede. Nobody knows that man like you know that man. And the Holy Spirit, God and the Lord Jesus Christ will use no one else on the earth in prayer like he'll use you in prayer for him. Pastor Nancy, early on, you know, she gave some of her testimony on Sunday about, you know, she entered into that relationship with a prophet. And she immediately began to get tested on his level, not her spiritually mature level. The devil came. And one of the things that uh, she fell behind in was in praying for him. She and she did that because she did not feel like as she was she just got aware around him and became so aware I'm not where he is. So what is my prayer life? 
So she used, that was her kind of excuse, if I understand it that way, to back off in prayer and not bring her supply because she didn't have the kind of regard for her own prayer life, the effectiveness of her own prayer life. And God broke in on her one time, if I have this right, I know I do, uh, and said, if you don't bring your supply, you're going to open the door to the devil and you're going to die young because I have somebody waiting in the wings better than you who will bring their supply. I'm not asking you to do more than you know, but I expect you to bring your supply in prayer to your husband for him and for his ministry. If you don't, it's not going to turn out good for you. Amen. So she got with it. Amen. 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 Oh, glory. You know, the Holy Spirit in the earth to the believer is our constant companion. Why, well, if something's really wrong in your heart, if you're just wanting to get it. Now, I know he's got his side, but we're talking about your side. You need to step in and be his companion. Right. You were created to be his companion. Amen. So fake it till you make it. Act interested. <laughs> Not going to hurt you to go through, you know, throw a few hoops out. What, whatever. Amen. But you need to be, he wants you. He wants to know that you want to be with him. Husband, I tell you what, husbands, I knew. I want to know that my wife wants to be with me. That she is my companion. The Holy Spirit, he is, he is called the one called alongside. And Amber's called alongside to walk out this life with me. I don't want my wife to be a stranger to me. We talked about the Holy Spirit as a comforter. You, you, Maybe you know this, maybe you don't. But, uh, you know, I like what Jimmy Evans said. He said, there is nothing on earth in terms of comforting like the touch of a woman. I'm not talking about a sexual touch. I'm talking about a hug, a handhold, an embrace, right? There is nothing more comforting. What did I want to do? I didn't think about it. I just fell down in her lap. And cried because I felt so responsible and foolish for having cost our family that money. But she comforted me. Hallelujah. You see, wives, when you, when you don't act like the Holy Spirit to your husband, you're not acting like the godly wife God wants you to. I'm trying to. Now here's another one the men may, will have to maybe swallow by faith. The Bible calls the Holy Ghost our counselor. Is he not our counselor? You need to understand that when this lady married you, there's an anointing that came on her for wisdom. She is suitable, fitted to, adapted to your need, and she's like the Holy Ghost. The number one place on the earth, other than the word of God in my prayer closet, that I go to for advice on things is her. And she has saved my bacon I don't know how many times. The Bible says by wise counsel we wage our war, and by wise counsel plans succeed. We do all of our bit. We do all of it. If it's not frivolous... We do it together. If it's frivolous, she can do it, I can do it. But if it's not frivolous, we do it together. And all of our decisions that we do together, they work. They work. Because God's anointed 
the Holy Ghost is in her. And she's anointed to be with me. And if, some, if I'm going a direction that's not right, her alarm bell will be going ding, 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 because she's anointed as my wife to be a rescue unto me. And I tell you what, men, you make, husbands, you make a grave mistake when you, when you dismiss that supply and go over to your buddy. Because your buddy is not anointed like your wife is anointed to give you counsel. Your mama is not anointed anymore in the same way. Hello? You should embrace this. I always seek my wife's opinion on big decisions. And I may feel strongly about something, but I have learned if she's not there, if she's not in agreement, then I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray some more. <laughs> I'm going to pray some more. Amen? Okay, here's another one. The Holy Spirit in John 16, verse 8 through 10 is described as a convictor. You know, being married to a godly woman is like having the Holy Ghost in manifestation with you all the time. <laughs> Kick me under the table like, don't say that. She did that to me the other day. What is that? That's help. That's help. Trying to keep me from putting my foot in the mouth. Trying to keep me from having to repent later. Right? I wouldn't do that if I was you. Right? You'd be big, machoistic man if you want to. You're going to lose. You're going you're gonna to get dirt on your face. Amen. I mean, one well, of those few times, maybe the, the, it seems like the ethical situation is gray. She just said, pay the guy. Just you pay the guy. Right. I don't want to pay. Pay the guy. <laughs> right? The Holy Spirit is a convictor. A ho the Holy Spirit helps me do right. Yeah. A godly wife, what's she going to do? In, in a way, in a way that only the Holy Ghost can. In a way that the, only a godly, skillful wife can. She can get through to her husband, help him do the right thing when he was tempted to do the wrong thing. Right. That's good preaching, Pastor Chris. That's really good. Amen. Number five. Okay, so, you know, there's been several of these. The Holy Ghost is a companion. He's a comforter. He's a counselor. He's a convictor. He's also a connector. You know, she connects me. Her, her the female part, she connects me to a, a part of the world in my family that maybe it would be more difficult you know, like, hey, you know you've been busy. Why don't you come home? It would be nice to see your face. You know, you remember the kids? Yeah, come on. <laughs> Preach. Yeah, and the way she thinks about events, like uh, none of us like it. None of us like it. But when we go on vacation, you take all our cell phones away. Do you like that? I don't like that. You don't like that. None of us like that. But when we get to the end of the week... We've, ha we've connected. She's helped us connect with each other instead of with the Borg all week. You know, when we're trying to be on vacation. I'm just telling you. Amen. 
And, and we should embrace that and just be grateful for that. You know, the Holy Spirit, think about the attributes of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is gentle. He's not rough and loud. Guys don't like that, especially when you get rough and loud with your husband when other people are present. Oh, that's no good. That's no bueno. Why? Because that's going to land on him. That's going to set off his disrespect alarm. And that's not going to be good. Amen? I'm telling you, if you gave as much effort to learn about expressing, expressing honor, praise, reverence, and respect to your husband as you want him to be lovey-dovey and cherishing, your marriage would really go places. Well, he, that turkey, he don't deserve no respect. You want unconditional love. What you give is unconditional respect. I've met some bad pastors, but I respect the office. I've met some bad politicians, but you respect the office. And your husband has been ordained of God to hold a place in your life. And in that, you respect the place, if not the person. You do it by faith. We had to love you sometimes by faith. So you could respect us by faith. So the Holy Spirit is gentle. He's not rough and loud. The Holy Spirit is pure. That's one of his, his name is holy. <laughs> right? You know, I read an article of recent trends going on in big segments of the culture. And it's the, thank God, it's the anti-sexual revolution. In other words, there's this massive movement of young people and they're looking for virgins when they get married. That's what they're looking for. And they're, they're, not, they're, they're looking for someone who values a home. Looking for someone who's, there's a reviving of young men and young women. Amen. Who are not all loose and tainted and all of that. Amen. The Holy Spirit is pure. The Holy Spirit is positive. One of the things I celebrate the most about my wife is her optimism. I, give me a, I need an impartation. You, she is so optimistic. She sees the good in virtually everyone and everything. And I'm not unlike that, but she's just out there on another level. And I appreciate that. You know, the Holy Spirit's patient. You know, the Holy Spirit lives in me. He's with me all the time, and he wants me to change. Doesn't he? The Holy Spirit wants me to change and get a lot more like Jesus. But he's patient. Wives, are you patient with your husbands? Say, hey, Pastor, it's not fair. You're going to run out of time. You haven't said anything to the husbands. <laughs> Amen. Well, I'm about to give you some cliff notes. But again, Sunday is the husband's day. Don't forget, bring them. Bring the men. Or the ladies. No, anyway, praise God. Whatever. It'll be God. The Holy Spirit is also gracious. You know the Holy Spirit treats me better than I deserve to be treated. Thank God my wife does too. All right, let's close in Ephesians 5 and let's touch on the role that husbands play. What member of the Godhead, if the wife, her role is best reflected in the person of the Holy Ghost, who do you think would best reflect the role the husband is to play? Jesus. Jesus. Tall order, huh, guys? Who's your example? 
not your dad. We're going to read it here. The Bible does not say, husbands love your wives like your dad loved your mom. It's going to say, husbands love your wives like Christ loves his church. You know, I don't care how good your family is. Every family is dysfunctional on some level, <laughs> right? Right. Amen, except mine. But anyway, <laughs> Ephesians 5, verse 22, or verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. What is submitting yourselves? Dr. Dufresne would say submission simply means giving in to one another. And then he would say, just give in to each other. That's what submission is. Give in to each other. Amen. And then it says, verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. So there's the comparison. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. And a lot of guys, they want to take that and run with it, right? But they forget all about as Christ loved the church. Now, there were three anointed offices in the Old Testament. Prophet, priest, and king. Prophet, priest, and kings, right? Jesus was the ultimate prophet, priest, and king. Husbands, amen, are to be the prophet, priest, and king in their home. Now, what's that mean? Well, the prophet, number one, the prophet's a seer. The husband is anointed to see God's will and direction for the family. What was the prophet? The prophet, the prophet was anointed and his responsibility was to faithfully receive and give the word of the Lord to the people. Is that not right? Remember the, you know, the story, the Vigitale Jonah. Jonah, what's the word? What's the word? What's the word? What's the word? Jonah, what's the word? Because he's the prophet. Amen? And a good prophet would faithfully Give the word of the Lord to the people. Husbands, you have, your role is to make sure the word of God is being faithfully given and distributed in your home. The written word and what the Holy Ghost is saying. And you're anointed for that. You're anointed for that in a way your wife is not anointed for that. So if you're not bringing that supply, you're shooting your family in the foot. Now, Christian wives in the New Covenant, they've, got, they've done a whole lot by going around their unspiritual husbands. But there's a limit to that. There will be a cost to your family husbands if you don't take your place. You must be a man of the word. A man that sees into the spirit realm. A man that knows God. Amen. Just work on yourself. I'm working on myself. Amen. The other one is Jesus was the ultimate priest. Now the priest was an intercessor, a go-between, and an, he, he represented the people to God and God to the people. Amen? Husbands, that's what you're anointed to do. You should represent your family. Represent your wife. Bring her spiritual, physical, emotional, social, financial needs, the family's needs before God. 
as a priest would. A godly husband will have one hand on God and one hand on his wife and family at all times in the spirit. A priest will bring his offering. Amen. The priest will receive from God and and represent God to his family. Amen. In other words, you should be the pastor of your own little flock. Hallelujah. Amen. Then thirdly, the Old Testament office that was available was the king. Now the king was God's appointed ruler and authority. And Jesus is our king. But how does he do it? He doesn't have a strong hand, does he? He does with the sinner. He does with the enemy. But notice Jesus, as he was about to leave, he took a water basin and a towel and he washed all the disciples' feet. He demonstrated. He said, yes, you called me master and Lord and right and true, for I am. And notice what I have done unto you. I have humbled myself and I have washed your feet. Jesus is a humble servant king. He is a servant leader. And we are to love our wives. We are to be authoritative in our homes, but we are to have the merciful, humble, soft, servanthood hand of our King Jesus in our homes. Jesus is my King, and I have had Him be strong with me, but oh, He's so tender. And guys, work on yourself. Let the Holy Ghost, let the Word of God, you know, drive out that hardness out of you, that meanness out of you, that life experiences, trouble, uh, the failures of your dad. Let it all go. Get your eyes on Jesus. Study Jesus in the Gospels. And there's your model for how you're to love your spouse. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want to be a good prophet, priest, and king in my home. Praise God. You know, the Bible says here in Ephesians that... uh, that husbands are to love their wives like Christ loved the church who gave himself for her. It's one of the, the, the dominant things in Ephesians 5, talking to husbands, is that Jesus sacrificed himself. Amen? He sacrificed himself for his church because he loves his church. The Bible says that Jesus washed uh, the church with the washing of the water of the word. And so husbands, as you, as you take the word and you water your wife with the word and you water your children with the word, that you're going to present your wife and family unto God, a glorious family, a glorious family without spot and without wrinkle. Amen? So we're out of time, but I want to encourage you in this. Marriage is not about what? Rank. Marriage is not about rank. Get your eye off rank. Wives, get your eye off. Got to be a good Christian wife. And husbands, get your eye off. Bless God, she better. And using scripture, you know, very unskillfully. Marriage is about Role. Leave here and learn your role. 
Leave here and practice your role. Leave here and get good at your role. Because when you do, your family, your marriage will come into divine order. And it will be able to carry God's blessing. It's going to get in on your children. God's going to be able to do things in a family, in a marriage that's in divine order. That he can't do in Christian marriages that are turned in on one another. You need to remember, same team. Same team. United, you win. Divided, you lose. And the devil knows. Jesus said, a house divided cannot, it cannot stand. Amen? Stand up on your feet tonight. Did you get some help tonight? Hallelujah.